Hey, your daddy, boys, Mr. Jaja Binks. And now I'm Mr. Very, very angry after listening to the mini Picard singing Order 66 card piece. And hearing the fat rocket man getting personal. How rude. My warning news, fat rocking chair, Mr. Respected Veteran and Imperial Senator. Mr. Put you in a pee bag. Ooh, you should get pasted. Movie big outro. So dismember. It's a no matter if you saw Otora or Ankura. Just no being a fat rack of ribs. Execute order sixty six. Coming at you live on Ustream and by podcast at d20radio.com. This is the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by mapsofmastery.com. Welcome one and all to the first day of May. It is nine in the morning here in beautiful Texas. It's a little bit windy and cold and rainy and... It's just one of those days. My name is GM Dave, and I'm here to welcome you to the Order 66 podcast, episode number 134. Yes, indeed. I'll be one of your guides this afternoon, this morning, this evening, depending on where you're at in the globe. And we've got lots of people from all around the globe in the chat room, so I wanted to say hello to Echo Base and introduce my other half mr gm chris <laughs> do i need an introduction <laughs> sorry i don't know where that came from i'm not sure either we're gonna restart the show now <laughs> we we used to be any award nominated and now we are no longer thank you we're any award winning buddy well for this year i know oh this year oh got it got it got it got it got it what is up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here, and for those of you who may be uh, uh, walking into this temple of the absurd for the very first time, this is the Order 66 podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And um, ah, it's good to be back on the air. I, I had a withdrawal over Easter when we didn't do a show. So Yeah, me too. But I had a great Easter, so that's worth it. So did we, man. That's awesome. We uh, we got to go see Jaina yesterday. I was very happy about that. Mm-hmm. So, ah, yes. The beautiful, beautifulness of Easter. It's awesome. Uh, Yes, alas, in the chat room, there's still a list of podcasts in in contention for the Any. You can find them at the Any Award website, actually. They have uh, a whole list of uh, submissions. They have not actually whittled them down to the five or six that they'll have fan voting for, but... Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. There are three D20 radio podcasts in the list so far. Fingers crossed. Uh, yes. And since uh, Chris West is going to be one of the presenters at the Ennies, we uh, we hope that he would present the podcast, Ennie. <laughs> and that we would win. <laughs> yeah, you're taking like five steps ahead. First, we got to get nominated. Yeah. 
Then there's voting. Then we'd have to win. That that and that's not easy. And then Chris would have to like present that award, which you would think that he would do like best cartography since he would just present it to himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's funny. I love it. That's funny. So which ones? Uh, roll for initiative and. Um, um, save or die. Save or die are the other two that I know of, at least from checking on Thursday. So yes, 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 and yes. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisitions. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. So, this just in uh, I really did not get all caught up in this whole uh, royal wedding thing, but I have to say that um, William <clears throat> yeah. picked the wrong sister. Kate's pretty and all, but her sister is hot. Yeah. What? I, you know, TG got up early with the baby that morning because just the baby got up early. And uh, so she ended up watching most of it. And it was, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I just, I, I happened to see that green dress that she was wearing and I was like, oh my God. Anyway, so maybe Harry needs to break up with whoever he's with and go uh, get, uh, what's her name, Piddles. Or <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what her name is. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Uh, so, announcements. Uh, uh, Pippa, that's it, Pippa. What a cute, yeah, a cute, name, uh, a cute name to boot. Holy crap, I'm going to move. All right, um, yes, feature podcast this week. How about that? What do we got? We will feature Old School and Shibuda with a very recent pile of win to come out of the pie holes of those two gentlemen, titled Episode 43 of the Small But Vicious Podcast. A familiar ritual is brewing. This sees the boys expand their highly popular Color of Magic segment by delving in how wizards can expand their characters in the Warhammer fantasy world. They talk about binding familiars, brewing potions, and performing arcane rituals in this highly informative episode. So if you're a fan of 2nd Edition Warhammer Fantasy RPG, or you know you just want to learn more, give Small But Vicious a big listen, and you will be in a happy place, along with every other D20 radio podcast that you can find at www.d20radio.com. Happy place. Happy place. Uh, juicy bits of web goodness Got a couple weeks to catch up on Of course from Sterling Hershey Who really just laid it out for us the past couple weeks um, In his weekly Star Wars Wednesdays blog Sterling has given, given us much food for thought In a recent article about Super weapons <sighs> Wait, which, which Super weapons No No it didn't work No Did not Uh, Super weapons <laughs> 
You just don't have it turned up high enough. <laughs> I guess not. I thought I did. Here, here, okay. here you go. Here you go. Super weapons. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, thank there you. you go. Okay. Um, bottom line, are, you know, are, you, are you using them in your games? Why not? Well, because they haven't been studded out. Oh, posh, you don't need that. And he tells you why. Because they're cliche. Bah. Doesn't, make, doesn't matter. He'll tell you why. Learn from the master some quick ways to create exciting and useful super weapon plot devices in your games. Very nice. And this past week, Sterling waxes poetic about his love for smartphones and ways to potentially use them at the table for gaming. And wait, wait for it. Sorry, I'm distracted by Angry Birds. Wait, wait. <laughs> Angry Birds. Okay. Anyway, check it out right now at uh, www.sterlinghershey.com. Sterlinghershey.com. Uh, do we have any conventions, sir? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm guessing we do. Convention madness, man. Um, what, ReaperCon 2011, of course. Obviously, we pimped it out last show heavy. Um, as a quick reminder... Reaper, annual convention from our good friends, Denton, Texas, May 19th to the 22nd. And yours truly will be running no less than six registered games, and maybe more if the pickup atmosphere is buzzing. Uh, and those games are, for those who are attending, uh, The Secret of the Corellian Kite Hawk, part one of my Treasures of Destiny series. One slot, Friday from 2 to 6. Uh, the Treasures of Abin Moor, part two of Treasures of Destiny. One slot on Saturday from 10 to 2. And the Eyes of Kessel, the finale to the Treasures of Destiny series, uh, all-new module, debuting at ReaperCon. Three slots on Thursday from 2 to 6, Saturday 2 to 6, and Sunday from 10 to 2. And lastly, Brian has graciously agreed to allow me to run another module. Harry Go Smash. Yes, I'm running a module for Aug Unearthed Edition. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So join that slot quick, Saturday from 8 to midnight. Are you trying to get Angry Birds to come through on your mic? Sorry, you just didn't quite just didn't quite work out. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not sure why it just it just didn't. Maybe it. There you go. I don't know why. It just my iPhone isn't loud enough. You know, the little speaker on the iPhone just didn't good. Just didn't work it. Your next task is to integrate the mic the iPhone into the uh, the your 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 system your audio system. I can do that. <laughs> My cable's in my uh, DJ bag, though. See, there you go. That's right. <laughs> so I can, like, take requests from anybody with an iPhone. It's really cool. Anyway, nice. Origins, dude. Origins Game Fair 2011. Uh, yes, indeed. This is uh, the big show. And if you're in Columbus, Ohio, June 22nd to the 26th, there is absolutely zero reason why you should not attend. Especially since Vaderson or Duncan, if you will, D20 Radio's own Duncan Vaderson, will be on hand running four Star Wars events. Yes, that's four. Two sessions of Murder on the Executor, the Betrayal of Darth Revan, and the Death of the Star of Agnor. Uh, much excitement to be had. And check out www.originsgamefair.com for more information. I think it's Vader's son, not Vaderson. I know. 
I was the, uh, I was uh, playing off the most recent holocron where they uh, started intentionally mispronouncing people's names. Oh, oh, oh see, I, I like Vaderson. It's like it's not Vaderson. It's like it's like no, it's it's Vaderson. Like like you know like Jim Vaderson. Like you know like Jim Vaderson. Jim Vaderson. Yeah, like Preacher Twenty Three sent in uh, an email and uh, they said uh, his name is really Priache. <laughs> <laughs> I just like Vaderson. Yes, my name's Phil Vaderson, attorney <laughs> at law. Um, Vaderson and Vaderson. Vaderson and Vaderson. Oh, uh, Gen Con 2011. Uh, this is if, if, if Origins is the big show, this this is probably the bigger show. Yeah, obviously America's largest gaming convention, Indianapolis, Indiana, August 4th to the 7th. And as we've mentioned, D20 Radio will have a small army there. Um, I've got two registered official events for the con. Uh, my massive living style session Dell for 18 players, the Black Nova Gambit, will be a Star Wars Saga Edition event held Thursday night from 6 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. And also, we have registered a panel event creating a successful gaming podcast Friday from 10 to noon. Dave, me, hosts from Bruce City Gamers and Chronicles will be in this roundtable style panel. We're going to be answering listener questions and providing all of our knowledge as it comes towards creating a good gaming podcast. Um, and this will also be our semi-formal meet and greet for D20 Radio listeners. So be there. Now, why am I telling you this? Because in uh, less than two hours, registration opens up for Gen Con events. One hour, 43 minutes, 12 seconds. Now, those of you who are listening live... This gives you something to do. For those of you who are listening later, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you haven't registered yet, a lot of the cooler events might already be taken. So get to the registration site. Get to the get to do it. Go to GenCon.com. Register and, uh, and and get in there. Get your tickets to it. You know, if you can't make uh, if you can't make Black Nova Gambit, you darn sure better be there for the podcast panel. Just saying, darn sure better be there. Well, that's going to be one of the popular events. Going to sell out immediately. Oh, you would hope. One would hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you watch. I'll be, I'll, I'll be checking the, the number of seats available, and there'll be like 75 remaining. I'll be like, oh. And we'll, we'll, check it, we'll check it noon, 74. We'll check it 2 o'clock, 73. We'll check uh-huh. April 15th or May 15th and 67. <laughs> They're like, oh. Yeah. Now, for those of you who may be not be able to attend sessions or, you know, you, you, it's your first con, you don't want to overdo it, you want to grab some generic tickets and just see what happens when we do a pickup game, there's, of course, going to be pickup games galore. I know I'll be running many. Um, Cyril and uh, Vaderson will also be on site to run pickup games for Star Wars. And, um, you know, gosh, the, the Chronicles boys will be there running Pathfinder. DM Vincent, Roll for Initiative, Save or Die, will also be running some officially registered D&D games as well. Um, so, you know, check the Gen Con catalog. And, and, you know, register is appropriate. And, and gosh, we hope to see you all at the con. It's going to be tight. Wouldn't it be hilarious if we, like, did this create a, to create a successful gaming podcast and then we didn't get nominated? That would be awesome. That would be hilarious. Hey, as Mark Hamill said, once a Mouseketeer, always a Mouseketeer. I don't care. We are always any award winners. Yeah, I got our any. I'm happy. They can't take <laughs> that away from us. Indeed. So, and what, Gen Con t-shirts? Gen Con t-shirts. We have been... I have been getting designs by email. Oh, really? Yes, indeed. And, um... You know, there's some stuff, and then there's some stuff and and stuff, right? Yeah. So, we have a few... Um... We have a few submissions that have come in uh, to the uh, website as well. uh, On the forums... And uh, I, I obviously will not comment 
on any of them thus far. However, uh, there is one that um, I do absolutely love so far. Yeah, I've got one that I'm like, oh, ooh, 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 ooh. yeah. For those who may not be knowing what Dave is talking about, um, of course, we are planning on designing special Gen Con 2011 D20 Radio t-shirts. Um, and we opened up a contest to the Gamer Nation. The winner will receive, of course, a t-shirt of their choice. And if they happen to pick it up at Gen Con, uh, they'll get it signed by everyone on the podcast panel. So there you go. Dave, if people want to submit their own designs or see what the rules for the design submissions are, um, where can they do that? You can go to d20radio.com slash forums, viewtopic.php, question mark, F equals 398, and T equals 7895, if you remember that. Or you can just go to D20 Radio's forums, and it's a sticky up there. And any forum, you'll see, like, the third one down. It's a global sticky. The T-shirt design contest thread Pop in there. Feel free to send uh, us an email if you don't want everyone to see your design. That's fine. I really don't care because the community at large is not voting. It's just a few of us hosts. So if I have them in one way or another, I will have them, and then I will have them. So there are several There are several that I've gotten that I've shared with GM Chris that are not on the forums. So, yeah. And they're tight. Yeah, so there. Yeah, they're tight. They're tight. Like government cheese. Ew. Indeed. So um, that brings us to the point of the show where I have to do this. Docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Ah, uh, very sad that Lass is having to leave. But um, by the way, ep- uh, the uh, deadline is May 31 to get your t-shirt designs in. So think about that. Docking bay. Where we uh, take questions submitted by the Gamer Nation via post, PM, email, voicemail, and uh, we, we, we answer them with the gusto of people who like to answer questions. Yes, indeed we do. So, lose a line. 206-600-5872, from which we got three questions this week, which uh, is uh, really good. Tis. And, of course, we get lots by email and by forum post. But uh, we will kick off the show this morning. With an email that we got from Patmos that somehow wound up in uh, spam folders. We don't know why. Yeah. But we thank the maker that he followed up on the forums. Otherwise, we may never have seen his question. So here it is. He says, hey. Hello. Hello. So I'm new to the system and should be in my first saga game sometime this summer. Sweet. My question is, does Aid Another action to suppress fire count as an attack? I know that force powers don't count as they are skills, but suppress fire uses an attack roll. If it is an attack, would a successful suppress fire trigger the Ignite Fervor Noble Talent? Thank you very much. Oh. First of all, Patmos, I'm so sorry we missed your email question, dude. I, you know, After I saw the forum post, I was like, I, I saw your emails have been going to my spam folder. I do not know why. So... 
Very strange. Um, but I, I think I fixed it. Uh, so anyway, to, to Pat Mills' question, this is a very good one. For those who are following along and trying to figure out just what he's talking about, it's really best to start with the talent in question, okay, which is Ignite Fervor. Um, not Ignite Fever, you bad misspellers out there. Ignite Fever. <laughs> Ignite Fever. Um, this is a noble staple talent. It's found on page 43 of the Core Rulebook, and it is a third-tier talent in the Inspiration Talent Tree, with prereqs of Bolster, Ally, and Inspire Confidence. And it works thusly. Whenever you take, whenever you hit a foe with a melee or a ranged attack, bah! you can, as a free action, choose to give one ally within your line of sight a damage bonus on his next attack equal to his character level. And at mid to high levels, that's pretty awesome. Um, even when he doesn't need, especially because he doesn't even need to stay within line of sight after you do this. You can activate it, and then he can leave your line of sight and still get the benefit. Very nice. Okay. Yes. But the problem with this really wicked talent, it might be patently obvious, is that it requires the noble to hit the target. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dave, uh, you know, as I'm sure you'll attest, and, and TG will attest, um, uh, hitting targets with attacks with a noble. Is, yeah, it, it's not something nobles made to be very good at. <laughs> So Patmos is curious to know if he can circumvent that issue by using the Aid Another action instead. Uh, detailed on page 151 of the Core Rulebook, Aid Another is something most of us are all familiar with, okay? As the text reads, choose an opponent and make an attack roll against a reflex defense of 10. Okay, If you hit, you can force the foe to suffer a minus 2 on his next attack or, or aid a single ally's attack against that foe by granting them a plus 2 bonus, okay? Now, there's been some talk on the forums about this, Patmos, and, and here's my two credits. Aiding another is not an attack in the sense that this talent is referring to. Okay. Ignite fervor, when you read it, it happens when you hit an opponent. That's what it says verbatim. Aiding another, I mean, what, David? It's pretty much suppressive fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not hitting the opponent. It'll be quite the opposite. You're hitting a reflex defense of 10. In other words, the area around the opponent. Okay, just to distract him. So while it might be an attack roll... It's not an attack. It, it, it ain't going to work with Ignite Fervor, bottom line. At least not by rules as written. That's a bummer. It is. Now, as a side note, it is important to note that Ignite Fervor only applies to an ally's next attack, per the wording of the talent. There was some discussion on the forums that it might last all encounter. I don't know where that comes from, um, because the, talent, the wording of the talent is pretty clear. Um, as such, and considering that you know it only applies to your next attack, and considering that it's a Third tier talent. Dave, what do you think? Now, I got no problem house ruling this to work with eight another. I think it's a very noble, horrific thing to do. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with it either because noble is a, um, a not very combative class anyway. So, you know, throw my bone oh. every once in a while. I'm good with it. I'm fine with it, you know, and, and honestly, you know, you can only do it once around because obviously standard action to use eight another. I ain't got a problem with the house rule. I see no balance issues with it whatsoever. Um, I, I really don't. You know, at, at the levels at which it will start to matter, you know, when those mid to high levels, when you're really racking on the damage, that bonus damage, um, even at, at those levels, your hit points are high enough, your defenses are, high, are getting high enough, there's other you know, options that foes have to help negate attacks. I don't see a problem with it. I really don't. Yup. Me either. All right, so uh, here's our first question that came in via voicemail on the loser line from Adam Scott. Okay. 
And uh, this has to do with, um, well, felines. Hey guys, Adam Scott FM here with a question about these companions. In the game I'm involved in, my fiance is playing a power hammer wielding Tagorian master privateer named Kira, affectionately known as Big Kitty. She's been bashing her way through the game for a while now, dropping 3 and 4 d12s of damage. Scary violent, but I digress. My fiancé's decided she wants her character to have a Nexu pet along for the ride as well, something to strike even more fear in the hearts of those who oppose her. That's right, Big Kitty wants a Big Kitty. So we've been scouring the books, and the closest thing we can find to rules for companions is a cursory mention in the Unknown Regions. Are there talents and feats she should be taking to enable her to better control this ferocious feline? Thanks in advance. Yes. Mm. yes. Now, I would like to point out, because we're well prepared on this show, that, that, that these voicemail questions were given to me when, Dave? Uh, approximately at 8.40 a.m. Central Time, which is 10 minutes after the podcast was scheduled to begin. Yes, and approximately 20 minutes before the podcast started. Yes. So, um... <laughs> Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you what I know, uh, Adam, and, uh, you know, from my brief research, I, I wish I had time to do more, but this is a really good question. I want to talk about it. Here's what I know. Bottom line, there is no codified rule set for using animal companions in the way you're thinking of. Okay. Having said that, there's several things that you can do. Okay. As far as talents and feats go, a lot of people really like to go for the companion talents. Noble, Scout, and Soldier have a, a set of companion talent trees, which are detailed in the Clone Wars campaign guide. Okay, um, But they're, they're designed to allow you to acquire a follower, right? which, which is really a humanoid that has certain you know, humanoid features and follows you around and, and does things based on you spending actions. It would not be difficult at all for a creative GM to appropriate those talent trees to allow for a, a beast, such as a Nexu. Okay? Um, but as most of us who have delved into the follower talent trees realize, they're not that great. Uh, <laughs> there's better options, in my opinion, if you really want to have a, a good way to do this. My number one suggestion for you would be to appropriate the protocol format from Scavenger's Guide to Droids. Um, you know, where you spend swift actions to allow your, your droid to accomplish certain things. If this is a well-trained animal, it should have certain tricks, like attack, heal, sit, stay. It would be very simple to turn those into protocols that it knows... And have the appropriate, you know, protocol actions for your PC to take. Give that a look. That's probably going to be your easiest port. All right. The other option that people have been doing since day one of this game is simply to treat it like an owned droid before we had protocol format. She owns the animal. It's trained. It behaves. It acts on its own. It earns XP. And, you know, she just commands it as, as a free action. This is, this is really quick. It's really simple. Um, but if you go that route with that level of autonomy... It is important that the animal be treated like a member of the party, earning XP appropriately and leveling up as you go. That means it's going to leech XP, but get more powerful as you do. So those are my suggestions, sir. Um, I think protocol format is a great way to go, and if you do it that way, as balanced as it is, you don't have to throw XP at the beast. So At the beast. There's a thought. All right, good. So we go from Beast Mastery to Mystic Knight 232. Okay. Who asks this? I allowed my player to find an ancient weapon, which was a pul pulse wave pistol. Sweet. In a dark uh, dark times campaign for fun. He's a mechanic and a techie. 
and I thought it would be cool for him to repair it. Nice. Yes, indeed. I thought I read some rules for fixing items, but I can't find them now. I'm not talking about just restoring HPs either. I want him to actually make some mechanics checks to determine what's wrong. So um, then he has to acquire the parts and actually fix it. <laughs> okay. If anybody can point me to the right direction, it will be much appreciated. House rules for this sort of thing would be welcome to um, throw in for consideration as well. Thanks. And uh, if you guys tell me it's in the core rulebook, I will shoot myself. Well, let's <coughs> point him to the core rulebook. <laughs> yeah, let, let's uh, let's start with the sad news and the good news. Get your blaster ready. <laughs> the sad news is that you know, uh, Mystic Knight. If the item is merely broken and he's going to fix it, that's um, that's in the core rulebook. <laughs> <laughs> Page seventy in the mechanics skill details repairing an object. One hour DC twenty mechanics check restores one d eight hit points and removes any persistent conditions the object has. Keep doing that until it's repaired. So, yeah, by pure raw, dude, he can repair this thing without anything but some time and a toolkit. However, if you're treating it as him, like, building the thing from scratch, there are also rules for the mechanic skill part of that, page 30 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide. But it sounds like that's honestly not what you're really after. I, I, I like what you're really after. It's like he's saying, he's wanting a true game situation where the player fixing up the pistol takes his time, his research, and makes it a part of the story. As he says, not just hit point fix, you know? Right. Dude, this is where the magical powers of GMness come into play. <laughs> GMativity. You have the power to make this right. You have the power. Two words, my friend. Skill challenge. Oh. This is the perfect example of a single-person skill challenge, perhaps taking place over an entire session or multiple sessions. Uh, you know, the primary skill checks could be knowledge, technology, mechanics, use computer maybe to research the gun, perception to examine it, gather info to find parts. Let him get creative with that. These checks can be made at like, like one a day, okay? And if he succeeds, he's repaired the pistol. Hand wave the whole mechanics check to restore the hit points. That's my suggestion. I think that's, that's an excellent, excellent idea. Use skill challenges. It's, it's, it's a great way to do what you're trying to do. Acrobatics to get out of the way when it accidentally discharges. If he suggested that, I'd be like, sure. And my hand would gravitate towards the heroic DC on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh-oh, my daughter has entered the room. I heard it. I heard her. <laughs> it. <laughs> I heard that. The telltale sounds of wine or pseudo-baby-ish talk. Baby speak. Hello, baby Jay. Too bad that we don't have you uh, with the ability to broadcast on Ustream anymore because Ustream is a dog yep you know i need to find a way to like pipe in a, a camera but i i don't know if i can i have no idea anyway we have 211 people in the crowd now it's unbelievable um the the deal here is that we are if for you guys going to gen con the winning T-shirt entry. It's also going to be applied to a onesie for Jaina. <laughs> yeah. 
which yes. she will wear at the convention because she will be there. In fact, we'll probably get multiple onesies because onesies last on babies for about an hour. So we will have to get like five onesies. <laughs> yes. That is charisma plus seven. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yep. See, my, my wife is in here holding the baby because she is preparing to register for Gen Con events. <laughs> yep. In fact, you know what? When we go live with the, uh, with the T-shirt sales, I think we're actually going to make sizes of, you know, 4X, 3X, 2X. Yeah. And, gamer small, uh, gamer medium, gamer large. Yeah. And then baby. <laughs> and, baby. And then we'll try and do like 9 to 12 month onesies. <laughs> That'd be funny, actually. All right, so I have another question from Guile. And, okay. And um, we'll give him, um, you know, since he is a uh, apparently a uh, used Chevy salesman, uh, here's where it comes from. Hey, this is Matt Riggin. Guile on your boards, G-I-L-E. Hey, I had a question. I've been a long time uh, DMGM, whatever you want to call it, and uh, just recently started playing Star Wars Saga Edition, and my group hasn't really embraced the whole idea of, you know, the cinematic quality. And, um, I mean, you guys, I hear you guys talk a lot about that on your podcast, even though I never listened to it. But um, how, how can I get my players to uh, understand that and embrace it? Thanks. I got his mixed up with Outlaw. Outlaw's the used car salesman, so. No, that's okay. We can, Guile, this is a good question, dude. And quite frankly, it's worth devoting an episode to. I really, I want to put you to a couple things, though. Most recently, uh, the episode we put out, putting the RP in RPG. That would Develop- be episode number 130, the must-listen for the Any Award judges. Yes. Um, you know, that episode was really focused on, on getting your characters to role-play in the game. Those same principles can be used to apply to getting them to, to role-play that cinematic aspect, to get them to understand it and feel it and put them in the mindset of Star Wars. But your question is duly noted, Stir. And aside from this small um, uh, suggestion I'm giving you in terms of listening to that episode, I want you to keep your ears on the podcast because I think this is a valid show suggestion, and I think you should expect to see it in the very near future. Yes. Yes. And uh, affirmative. Okay, so now we'll get to the uh, used car salesman, Outlaw Night Zero. Hey, GM Dave and GM Chris. This is um, Outlaw Night Zero. And I was wondering, um, used cost for um, starships, what are the penalties that, are, um, that starships get for being used instead of being brand spanking new? All right, thank you so much. I never listened to the 606 podcast. It depends, you know, if, if it's a Ford, um, then it holds their resale value a heck of a lot better than a Chevy or, or a Hyundai or something like that. No, that's propaganda, Ford whore. Nah. <laughs> um, okay, this is another question I got literally a couple minutes before the show, and I did not have the time to do the proper research on it. I wanted to, but I will tell you what I know. Um, as far as I'm aware, OKZ, there's no real penalty for owning a used Starship, all right? What it means has a lot to do with the GM and lots of nice things he can do for you. Mechanics. For example, a used starship is often very prone to breaking down or having random failures, okay, random system failures. And those things are covered in starships of the galaxy, all right? More importantly, a used ship is just that. It's a used ship. It's old. The hull is 
pocked and scorched. It's probably not going to have a lot of cool features associated with it. And as a GM, I will often take a used ship and reduce one of its systems appropriately. If it's got SR, I'll reduce it down to another degree. If it's got uh, you know a cool system installed, I might remove one system to rec- represent the fact that it's been used. Furthermore, as a GM, if you buy a used ship, you have absolutely no clue where that ship has been, who has driven it. <laughs> That's right. And if it blasted its way out of Moss Eisley. Not only is this a wonderful way for a GM to do plot hooks and, and force adventures upon the party, but it obviously can be a little bit of a danger for the party. In the Star Wars universe, a new ship versus a used ship is a little different from a used car versus a new car scenario. I can go out and buy a, 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 a nice used car that's six months old, has a couple thousand miles on it, and looks great. And I'll get the same looks and appeal and prestige as if I bought a brand new car. In the Star Wars universe, a used ship, if you go buy one, isn't so much buying a, a, a six-month-old used car as it is buying a 16-year-old used Pinto <laughs> in terms of how it's viewed by the galaxy at large. Um, you know, it's like, oh, it's a used ship. Okay. In other words, it looks like the Millennium Falcon from the outside. <laughs> what a hunk of junk. Um, that's kind of where it is. But there is no hard and fast codified rules for penalties for a used ship. Uh, so that makes used ships a lot more affordable for the party. So something to consider. Another piece of galactic innuendo. You came in that thing? You're braver than I thought. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, the wonderful chat room is, is responding in kind with this magnificent question. And, uh, you know, they're they're talking about Something obviously there is. Ah, oh, see, Fat Raconteur saves my ass. Look at this. I always miss sidebars. There we go. Page ten, Starships of the Galaxy, right there, bottom of the page. Use Starship sidebar. I quote: Owning and operating a used Starship can be a risky business. Though used Starships are cheaper and easier to get a hold of, they often develop their own unique quirks. Wink, wink. That prevent them from operating at full capacity. When a used starship moves minus three steps down on the condition track, to the point where they've taken their, their minus five penalty on attack rolls, scales, ability checks, defenses, or lower, the used ship's condition becomes persistent until the ship receives repairs using the mechanic skill. Cannot move up the condition track by means of reroute power, although, like, jury rigging might still work. So that is, thank you, Fat Raconteur. What I was not able to research in time. The concrete penalty for used ships. And that is Starships of the Galaxy, page 10. Toasty TFR. Thank you. Fat Racker Ribs for the win. For the win. Saving my bote. That's awesome right there. Okay, lastly, we got an email from M. Casey, who is fairly new to the game, so we say welcome. And uh, has the following question. It says, hello, Order 66. Why, Hello. Hello. That sounded like Nero. Hello, Christopher. Okay. My playgroup recently finished up a 4th edition campaign. <coughs> Why? Ugh. Hey, lots of people like 4th edition. Be quiet. Whatever. And we're kind of burned out on it. Ah, see? <laughs> okay. We wanted something new and fresh. And we all love Star Wars. So we decided to give this Saga edition thing a go. 
We just had our first session, and it went really well. We had a lot of fun. But we had one thing happen, and I didn't really like it, so I wanted to ask you about it. We started off on Tatooine and ended up in a Java Sandcrawler. Java. Java. Java Sandcrawler. To retrieve data from a scavenged droid. But in the final battle, one of the players had acid poured on him from a machine in the Sandcrawler. Our DM had the acid attack power, uh, attack the player every single round, and even when it missed, it still did damage to him. The DM said it would attack forever until it was washed off, but we were in the desert and didn't have any water, obviously. <laughs> Eventually, we found some, after uh, a long search in the, of the sand crawler, just enough to wash off the acid, mind you. But the player was just about killed by the time that we happened on the water because of the acid. I looked in the book for acid, but didn't find it. So is our DM just making this up? Is he a douchebag? Was the the player was pissed off and argued about the DM, argued with the DM about it? So I'm curious to know, what do you think? Did we fall victim to DM douchebaggery? I'd like to point out, in deference to M. Casey, that all the douchebaggery stuff was uh, GM Dave's ad libbing there. That was GM Fiat. <laughs> Thank you. Um, first of all, M. Casey, welcome to the game. Um, I hope your sessions continue to be fun. Now, as to your question, if you really like a peek at the rules your GM was using, acid is a hazard found on page 252 of the core rulebook. Now, when exposed to it, the acid does indeed attack the character every round. That's versus fortitude with a plus five modifier dealing two die six of damage. And yeah, dude, it deals half damage even on a miss. And yes, it attacks every single round. But it does sound like your GM is missing something, okay? The attack occurs every round until the acid is washed off. Or, I think your GM missed this part, is treated with a DC-15 treat injury check requiring a medical kit. So if you got a noble or a soldier who's got a decent treat injury check and access to a medical kit, that can take care of the acid too. Or you can wash it off. But as you point out, that's a little hard to do on Tatooine sometimes. Yeah. So, there you are. I don't think your GM was being douchey. I think he may have just missed that part of the rules or forgotten to suggest it. Or, you know, and obviously the players weren't aware. Dude, it's your first time in a system. The GM's going to maybe miss something. So don't get all pissed off, please. Yeah, don't get, it, don't get, all, don't get all pissed off. I mean, yeah. So, you know, the, t- t- tell the player, hey, it, it happens. We all, we all miss things every now and then. Yes. You know, the best resource for a GM with questions is obviously to ask them to the Order 66 podcast. Absolutely, in which we had several people do this week via the losing line, which we absolutely love. 206-600-5872. Call right now. Don't wait for the translation. Just call. LUSA. That's right. Loser. Loser. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. You'll be much happier after you do that, and you'll feel better about yourself. Thank you. Public service announcement brought to you by the fat rack of lamb. Who also brings you this? Species Menagerie Horn Tuscan Fur 
for boys and girls to see the fat raconteurs, species menagerie, horn tusk and fur, for boys and girls to see. This one's got moxie, kids. Welcome, Gamer Nation. I'm the Fat Raconteur, and this is my species menagerie, where we bring species from around the galaxy and study them mercilessly for your gaming needs. It's been a while since I've done a species for the GMs out there to use, so I'm going to explore one of my favorite that I regularly use for my threats. The Gran. Found on page 15 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide, which is my proverbial lexicon of awesome species. These three-eyed chums have long been associated with Star Wars, and I really enjoy that despite the fact that the majority of Gran we see in Star Wars are some sort of thug, those who have played through Dark Times 1 and 2 know what I mean, the flavor of the species points to a more social and agreeable species as a whole. Don't get me wrong, the Gran are an amazing species, but the reason I want to look at them from a GM perspective is because they offer a mechanic that can really change how players have to approach an encounter. For the Nautilans, it was their natural DR and incredible underwater abilities. For the Gran, it's their triple vision, meaning once per encounter, these bad boys can aim as one swift action. Combine that with dark vision and the fact that they get precise shot for free if you take point blank, and you've got yourself a ready-built, out-of-the-box sniper. Too many times I was sick of having my BBEG be guided by the standard meat walls, and I wanted something new. The Grand is the spice of your encounters, and your players will feel like they're facing a new kind of threat. In terms of the numbers, they are very conversion-friendly. Minus 2 to intelligence and plus 2 to charisma won't change much to your threats. Defenses remains the same. Speed remains the same. HP remains the same. Attack rolls. All attack rolls remain the same. Skills. Subtract one skill. Additional, if the threat being converted has point-blank and precise shot, you can see why the Grand are one of my favorite threats to use. For the best threats to convert, for the right effect, can all be found in Threats of the Galaxy. For low-level encounters, use a CL3 Mercenary Scout found on page 55. Mid-level encounters should convert the CL7 Smuggler on page 88, except think about taking that one level of Noble it has and instead have another level of Scout. High-level encounters should use the CL-10 Bounty Hunter on page 16. If you really want to get intricate, you can swap out a couple of talents and give them the Prince of Sniper Talents, Reactive Stealth from Galaxy of Intrigue, and the King of Sniper Talents, Friend to You and I, Ghost Assailant from Galaxy at War. In terms of feats, you can always swap in Careful Shot, Deadeye, and Sniper. They're no-brainers. But also look at Recurring Success from Galaxy of Intrigue, which will allow your Grant to use their Triple Vision twice in an encounter. And the high-level threat should look at Deadly Sniper Feat from Scum and Villainy, which grants a plus two to your attack roll and an extra die of damage against an unaware target. If you really want to make an awesome encounter, have someone or something turn off the lights halfway and plunge everyone into complete darkness. The Grand's moxilicious dark vision will really make your PC sweat and watch the tension rise as they deal with minus 10 to all their attack rolls. And if that didn't convince you, Grand minis are dead cheap, roughly 60 cents apiece. True, they're holding a knife, but who cares? Your unconscious PC certainly won't. Grands. Three eyes, one shot. Ooh, you better believe that's a moxie. Well, that's it for today, folks. Again, if you have any requests, questions, comments, or flattery, send it all in a PM to the Fat Raconteur on D20 Radio's forums. And as we say around here, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. Just don't be Gungan.
As usual, thank you very much, Fat Raconteur. Uh-huh. For uh, Species Menagerie. Again, we look forward to next week with uh, another Species Menagerie featuring... We don't know yet. Dun-dun-dun. Isn't that beautiful? I love Grands. I think they're underused, and they're such a Star Wars staple. That's right. I think you should create a herd of Taylor Swifts. <laughs> oh, the humanity. Well, she does look like an alien, so I think that works. There you go. See, you get a little charisma bonus, but she can't hit for anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll stop down and um, take a listen to one of my favorite segments in the world today, right here. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. Uh, we got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. Uh, what do you know? Uh... Indeed. Indeed. Hey, Dave. Yes, sir. I laser you. I laser you. I laser you. I laser you back. I laser you. <laughs> I cune you. I cune you. Oh, this week we have picked up an interesting toy from Wado that is invaluable to anyone with a heavy weapons user in the party. Uh-oh. We are talking about the targeting laser. Ooh. Very small, yet effective. Very small yet very effective. This is a cool little toy. This this is a tiny, simple ranged weapon. It can be used in one hand or, or even attached as an accessory to a medium or larger weapon. Very nice. What does it do? The targeting laser paints the target with a beam of light. It doesn't deal any damage, but it guides missile attacks and other bombardments more easily to the target. If you succeed on a ranged attack roll against the target, ignoring any armor bonuses they have to reflex defense, then any and all allies who know the frequency of the laser, which you can give them, and attack the foe with a missile launcher, grenade launcher, or vehicle weapon, receive a plus two bonus on those attack rolls. That is a woo-hoo. Tis. Now, this might not seem much better than a standard action aid another. Okay, In fact, it's actually harder to pull off because you're not just hitting a reflex defense of ten. Except that, unlike another, this aids anyone with such a weapon attacking that foe. You can use this against a vehicle, a massive battle droid, a door, a building, and of course, a wily trooper who just needs some splattering. Um, honestly, Dave, you know what, man? For I mean, how how, how expensive is this thing? It's fifty it's, credits, it's, dude. Fifty credits. Fifty credits. Fifty credits. Weighs a tenth of a kilo. There, there, there is no reason for support characters not to pick this up, especially when they can just attach it to their existing weapon. As long as they have to draw it out, you know, they, when they get their weapon out, they got the targeting laser out. As handy as pockets on a shirt. Very cool. If you've got to have your weapons user in the party, this is pure gold, and they will love you for having it. Targeting laser can be found on page 42 of Galaxy at War. Check it out. Dude. These are you. I kill you. No soup for you. All right. Well, unfortunately, we do not have uh, Luke Lowbrow this week. 
nor do we have Fragments of the Rim. I think we had a big, giant surprise attack for both of them. We did. And um, so, yeah, basically, it's time for a new segment. No, it's not a new segment. We just have a new intro for the segment. And so here we go. This is a dangerous time for you when you will be tempted by the dark side of the Force. I'm not afraid. Indeed, the ultimate build. Ultimate builds. He did not say alternate builds. He said ultimate builds. Ultimate builds. I might need to redo that. I did it in haste yesterday. Hey, it's pretty cool, though. So, yeah, you know, about, uh, you know, you know, we get, we get lots of, of requests, right? So you guys heard from Adam Scott FM earlier in the show. This is his episode, dude. He's had a question answered. That's right. This is like, yeah, that's right. Episode 143, or 134, uh, Adam Scott FM. <laughs> that's right. So basically, he sent us a, a, a PM, and uh, he said, uh, I will read it verbatim. He said, hey guys, I'm a player in one of Darth GM's games, and since he recommended the Order 66 podcast, I've torn through the archives like they're going to be purged, even though I never listen. And uh, don't worry, they won't be. And going through, I'm left with one pressing question. The character I'm playing is a Force-sensitive soldier who serves as the party's medic. In episode 41, you went through Broke-tastic Medic Prestige class and said, if you're going to be using the Force to be a medic... That's a whole different build, but we'll get to it later. So my question is, is it later yet? <laughs> Eagerly, Adam, and that was uh, 97, 94 episodes ago or something like that. I, you know, I don't know, 97, I don't know, whatever. It was, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a lot of episodes ago. Um, 93. 93 <laughs> episodes and like uh, two years later. Here yes, it it's definitely later. <laughs> and Adam, as I often say, dude, ask and ye shall receive. So we're going to walk hallowed ground today, Gamer Nation. We're going to return to that pinnacle of Order 66 love, that Edelon of podcasting goodness, the ultimate build. Uh, today's show will be devoted to creating the ultimate healer, part D. D. Specifically, someone who uses, on, uh, who uses the force to heal others. Um, now, episode 41, as he mentions, focused on mundane healing using treat injury. Okay, but with all the books out now, there's a host of really cool options available to you if you want to be a force-based healer. New talents, skill uses, and force techniques that really, really change the game in terms of force healing. And, and we're going to delve into it. So, pack up your medical kits, Gamer Nation, set aside your surgical tools, and search your feelings. As we break it down all funky-like with the ultimate builds, the force healer. Special nod to Kalilia for probably having what will be the title of the show, episode 134. It's finally later. Oh, that's beautiful. 
<laughs> we'll see. It's still Our, early. Still early. Still early. Still early. Still early. So, Big D, let's yes. let's talk to Healy and let's talk some force here. All right, Ooh, let's do it. Let's uh, let's set the med pack aside for now, just a second, right? For no, for, for, not for a second. Let's do it for the next hour. <laughs> okay, uh, you're right. Uh, Dude, absolutely. So yeah, back in episode forty-one, we we looked at lots of ways to amp up your treat injury skill, right? And and use first aid and other mundane, as you say, yeah, tools to to really hurt, heal your party and all their ills or hurts or pains or whatever, and make them ready for battle again. So the force healer still has the primary focus of just that. Only they they approach it from an entirely different angle, different perspective. In some ways. They're less effective than the traditional healer. In other ways, they're way, way more. Yeah. Right? Yes. Now, there's a couple of, of, of key precepts that we really need to understand and talk about before we delve into this build that really differentiate it from the mundane healer. Um, and they're things that a player needs to be aware of. Uh, the first, uh, I, I want to say, your treat, treat what now? <laughs> uh, the treat injury skill is, for the most part, something the Force Healer is not focused on in any way, shape, or form. They most likely won't even have access to it if they're playing from the Jedi class. And even if they do, the true Force Healer should be working hard to pump up their Use the Force skill, not their Treat Injury skill. Now, it's important to note, for all of you listening, hybrid builds of Force Healer and Traditional Healer can be extremely powerful and effective. In that case, I would honestly say some can be greater than the parts. If you like that idea, go back and listen to episode 41 again after you listen to this. Pick what you like, mix and match. But for the purposes of our Force Healer build today, we're going to talk about a character that completely eschews Treat Injury as a primary skill choice. And that is an important distinction to make as we talk through this. Yes. What is our our second important distinction to make? Dude, um, what we would call being a one-trick pony. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, seriously, dude... It's a really nice trick to have. <laughs> All right, so even back 93 episodes ago, which seems like eternity, but um, hey, you know, 41 was the eve of episode 42, which was a really great episode too. So, I mean, back then a lot of those episodes were good, so go back and listen to them. I know Dono has been. I've been enjoying following that thread on the forums. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing yet again. So, um, yeah, what a trick to have. Dude, the vital transfer force power was where it started and ended for a, a, hor- a force healer. And this is still the case. I mean, it hasn't really changed, and uh, guess what? <laughs> it won't. I'm just guessing, unless somebody else comes out with a book. Wild and crazy. Yeah, nuts. Only now, of course, uh, vital transfer, with the help of talents and techniques, is much more versatile. But your goal needs to be stocking up as in on as many uses of vital transfer as possible and maximizing your use the force check when activating it because it is still very powerful if you can get it high enough. It is. It is. But those precepts, it's important to note, especially the one-trick pony. Again, your bread and butter is vital transfer. Find a way to maximize your use the force check and get as much vital transfer under you as you can. Now, there's some problems with that and some quandaries that can prop up, but we're going to talk about them. Yes. So how do you play a horse feeler? Did you say a force feeler? 
<laughs> I said a horse feeler. Horse as in, feeler. As an equine. <laughs> I'm looking at GM on fire <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> he made uh, me laugh. That uh, makes me laugh. You know? It's laughing. Yes. Well, okay. This is a good question. And, and honestly, guys, this is a talk we usually have at the end of the ultimate build section. But, but we're going to talk about it now. Why? Because it's really important. Before we even delve into the options at your disposal, it is important to understand why these well-written options work the way they do. And, and the first thing you've, you've got to know about playing a force healer is that you're going to be getting all light side up in this. <laughs> More so than, than any other path of the force. I mean, what, D- Dave, Kurt, I mean, Kurt, if I'm wrong here, healing has always had this strong association with the light side of the force. Yes, of course. Always. Vital transfer itself is, is a light side power. Okay, th- this means that mechanically dark side characters can't, you know, modify they use the force rolls with force points when they activate it, and set the premises can't even use the darn power. Yep. Um, the the act of using the force to heal another is an act of pure selflessness, especially because it usually requires a sacrifice on the part of the healer. This is an old and noble path with a long history in many force traditions, including the Jedi Order. So what does this mean? It means that if you're playing a character with dark tendencies, this is a serious impediment to the path. Okay, Though it is not raw, rules as written, in my opinion, a GM is well within his rights to exert circumstance penalties for a, a troubled character trying to heal using the Force, or even deny access to certain talents or feats altogether. All right? So bottom line, be nice. <laughs> Just like Dalton says in Roadhouse, I want you to be nice. <laughs> Until it's time to not be nice. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. So th- that is the undercurrent of this character archetype, and you want to keep that in your mind, okay? Right. Talk to me about about your role, man, because you have a pretty defined role as a force healer. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's going to be obvious to most in the chat room and those of you listening to this uh, wonderful any award-winning podcast that playing a force healer is pretty transparent. Yeah. You know exactly what you're there to do. Your party knows exactly what you're going to do. But... The mistake that force healers often make a lot of times is assuming that their job is simply to remove hit point damage. And that's a losing battle. And now you've got a host of options that will help you fill your role in other ways, right? Yes. So um, I've got a couple of those. Um, you've heard before that uh, the best defense is a good... The best offense is a good defense. So now what we're going to say is the best defense is a good defense. Uh, I would agree with this. In my opinion, the best defense is a good defense. That's right. (laughs) Defense. (sighs) So it makes sense, but the best healing uh, is that which prevents the damage in the first place. So, (laughs) all right, this means that a good force healer has ways to provide bonus hit points to an ally or keep them from getting hit, hit at all. So we'll be spending some time on that one. Yeah. Um, there's another way, uh, of course, is uh, keeping yourself healed. 
So um, there's only one thing that I know that's worse than a bad medic. you have any idea? Yeah, dead medic. Uh, yeah, that, that would be it. Actually, yeah, that would be it. So bottom line, most common way to heal using the force will leech hit points off the healer themselves. So you've got to prepare for this. So you have to make sure you're tough enough to handle it or find creative ways to keep it from happening. So yeah. there you go. you got a couple more for us? Oh, yes, yes. As part of your role, remember, 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 remember. Healing is more than hit points. Creative GMs, especially those who design encounters using the list from episode 37, <laughs> will often leave your allies with a host of maladies beyond mere hit point damage. Condition track penalties, sickness, radiation, disease, poison. They're all nasty. And a good force healer who doesn't necessarily rely on medical data banks and a med kit needs to find creative ways to deal with those things too. Except acid. <laughs> Except acid. I just pour some. I get some water. I rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. <laughs> a little buff out. A little buff out. And lastly, in terms of your role, okay, okay, yeah. So, so heal already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. D- despite everything we just said, your primary focus does need to be on one thing: restoring hit points and mass, and doing it as fast as possible. So, th- we're going to be talking about that. <laughs> That's right. So, yes. So, as the Ghostbusters say, we got the tools, we got the talent. We do. (laughs) Let's talk about the tools of the trade. Now that we understand who you as a force healer are and what your role is and what you need to focus on for that role, how do you make yourself the best force healer you can be? Um, I I guess it's really important to start this discussion off with skills um, because that's really the the heart of of this particular build is, 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 is really skill checks. Um, and I think there are certain skills that really need to be maximized um, if you're going to be the ultimate force healer. Uh, Dave, can you can you guess, just wild stab in the dark, what that first skill needs to be? Uh, climb. No. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. L- let me have another chance, please. Uh, I'm going to say um, use the force. It's it's way more than a clever line from Obi-Wan. True. True that. Use the Force. It's what you do, baby. So do it well. Uh, this means training in it very early, skill focusing in it early, and doing whatever you can to max out your charisma. All right? Charisma. Like, don't get an arm chopped off. Yes. So, Dave, there are several reasons that use the Force is important as a skill. What is the first and most important reason that use the Force is important? Uh, vital transfer... Uh, you know, I'm just saying, you know, dude, you might want to go get a high check when you use that power. This is, this is wise. It's kind of important, dude. It it, it is kind of important, but I have a second reason that I I think is going to be one of the best kept secrets of this, of this particular episode. Uh Oh, Uh -oh. and that reason is force trance. Okay. 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 Listen, listen up, listen up. We're, as I said, I'm about, to, I'm about to lay down on you the best-kept secret for Force healers, really, in the entire game. It requires no special talents, no special feats, no Force powers, no techniques, no Force secrets. It's easy, and nearly any Force user can do it. Listen up. Every Force user knows and loves the Force trance use of the Use the Force skill, page 77 of the Core Roadbook. Basically, you can enter into a Force trance, and Dave, you're very familiar with this. Indeed. 
It lets you heal your character level every hour while you trance, and it reduces your need to eat and drink and breathe. Did you know, and maybe you did, that you can put other people into a forced trance? <gasps> Clone Wars Campaign Guide. Clone Wars Campaign Guide. Page 28, Clone Wars Campaign Guide. This is a brand new use, well, not brand new now, of the Use the Force skill, which was detailed there. And most people seem to sadly forget about it. With a measly DC-15 check and a full round action, you can put a willing target into a force trance, even if they're not force sensitive. Now, while they're in the trance, they're basically comatose, literally. They are completely vegged out. And they can't even wake up until you pull them out of it, which is a swift action on your part. But while they're in that state... They heal their character level every hour and, as normal for Force Trans, can go ten times as long without food, water, or air. And if they trans for four hours and then get woken up, they're fully rested, as if they'd slept for eight hours. Very nice. Yes. So, if your party trusts you (laughs) to, you know, leave them comatose, you can bring them under. And then back to full fighting strength in a matter of hours, safely, with no risks of botched surgery or days in a back-to-tank. So that right there is the easiest way a force healer, even at very low levels, can be extremely effective for a party. Jedis have one of the best self-healing abilities in the game with force trance. You can impart it to others. Remember this, know it, use it. Indeed, dude. Uh, you think there's any um, need to, like, go first? <laughs> you know, I think that's a wise suggestion, Dave. And that would lead us to the next skill that is extremely important to max out uh, in your skill selection. Initiative. Yeah. Talk to me about this, dude. Why? Why? Yeah, why? So, why? Why is this important? All right. So, yeah, if you use the force, is obviously your your most important skill that you have to focus on. Uh, being first is the second most important, I would say. So initiative, you need to train on it, skill focus in it, and act first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to lay down the bonus hit points first before they start losing their real hit points mm-hmm. and be the one to be able to jump to the aid of an ally that gets damaged in the surprise round because, you know, like quite frankly, you're flat-footed. Act first. So very nice and very important for a healer. Yes. Act first. Yes, yes, yes. And the third skill you might want to consider, um, knowledge life sciences. This is very much a role playing choice, but it's a good one. I, I think a dedicated force healer should know about the various species of the galaxy. You know, the the diseases they're prone to, strange medical conditions they might have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, no, knowledge life sciences. It's the way to do that. That's right, because not everybody th- play, you know keeps their junk in the same place. Precisely. Uh, thank you, Iman. <laughs> no problem. Don't kick me in the knees. Now, listen, dude, th- though it's not rules as written, I think it's totally reasonable for an expert life sciences check to provide you favorable circumstances on your healing attempts. You know, if you, if you know more about the anatomy and the physiology of a creature, you know where to direct your healing the best. I would totally allow that as a GM. That's right. Sorry, right. right, dude. Skills. First tool of the trade. What should we cover next? Feats. Indeed. 
I have two feats. Um, let me guess. Skill focus? <laughs> oh, no, my right foot and my left foot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. We lost uh, half the chat room right there. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Um, but in due cause, look, feats, this is going to be a brief talk. Basically, there's very little in the way of feats that can help the Force Healer, aside from the obvious your strength for this build is going to be in your talents and your force abilities. But when you're struggling with feat selection, there are a few to consider. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, there are very few to consider. And... But they're important, and they're ones that you really need to take. Yeah, absolutely. Such as? Skill focus, skill training. You know, aside, you know, your obvious yeah, dictrums of, of, of getting used to force and, and initiative maxed out. You know, we've, told, we've said that. Um. Take the chance Take, to use the, the dead feats to beef up your knowledge and sports skills. You're a very introspective and cerebral character anyway, so, you know, go with it. Dude, Word. Go with it. The, the, one, the one problem that, that this character archetype will often face is, is as you said, man, dead feats. You know, you get, the, you get those, yeah. those, class, those class bonus feats every other level. So, well, crap, what do I take? Yeah. Um, you know, so, that, yeah. Yeah. So just, yeah, train up, train up, train up. Train Except up, train for, up. especially in the force, by the way. Oh, talk to me about that. Yeah, because like that's, force, that's also very important. Force training, dude. Force training. You know, um, because a vital transfer is important, as we've said before. So yes. every single character feat you take. Okay. You got that? Yeah, get it, got it good. All right, you want to have a force power suite that weighs more than the core rulebook. <laughs> got it all right you run out of vital transfer or enlighten or valors in the middle of combat uh you know that's just not that's just not good you're gonna have to get force you're gonna have to use force points to get them back unless you're lucky enough to roll precious. a 20 yeah yes and force points are very precious to this build and we'll we'll talk to why we'll talk about why exactly so yeah so if, if you're gonna be running short on force points then force boon would be you know, a choice there, so... Uh, Absolutely. You know, your force healer really relies on the expenditure of force points, so uh, if you get some bonus force points, you might as well, you know, take force boon. True that. Skill focus, skill training, force training, force boon, all feats that should be at the top of your list. That's right. Okay, so we've talked about skills, we talked about feats. Let's, let's touch briefly on classes. Now, the, the nice thing, Dave, about being a force healer is that really anyone can be force-sensitive, okay? You don't have to train and treat injury, so really any class can work. But some of them are simply better than others. <laughs> well, yeah, like, yeah. The for, for, for several good reasons. Yeah. Um, the first class, and dude, I want you to lay it on us here. Let, let's talk about the Jedi in my opinion, the, the best Force healers start here for, for a couple very good reasons. What well, are those reasons? Yeah, I mean, hit points for one. All right, so vital transfer, as we've said before, takes your own hit points. Not to mention that, you know, you may need to get in the thick of the battle yourself just to go heal your ally. Yeah. So you've got to make sure you've got the hit points to take it. Word. And, you know, Jedi gets you a lot of hit points. So... Sadly, um, Constitution is uh, often the dump stat for Force Healers, so uh, you need to make sure your, your hit dice are high ones, and Jedi gets a beautiful D10. A beautiful D10. That's right. But 
they also have the Jedi Counselor talent tree. Oh. So, you know, they defensive and uh, protect, pr- protective uh, talents are found in that uh, Jedi Counselor uh, talent tree, which uh, we will come to. Word. Yup. So what's next, dude? Soldier. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think that's what uh, back a long time ago when we started this off with Adam Scott FM, he uh, he's playing a soldier. I believe so. A soldier can work really well, Adam. Uh, you know, for many of the same reasons as Jedi. High hit points. Okay. Also, access to self-preservation talents like Indomitable, Tough as Nails, and, of course, the entire armor specialist talent tree. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that. So let's. Talk to me about prestige classes, dude, because you know when you get to that level eight mark and you want to go into prestige class, there's a couple choices that you can use, you know, which are which are pretty obvious. Well, yeah, Jedi Knight and Force Adept being the big choices there, right? So let's you know let's talk Jedi Knight for a second and say, um, you know, as you're leveling up, um, look in Clone Wars, the campaign guide, uh, Jedi Academy, other books have all uh, basically made the Jedi Knight an excellent choice for a Force healer due to some really nifty talents and, uh, more importantly, Force techniques that you'll find. It's important to note this was not always the case. Right. Okay. Um, Because the second prestige class option, Force Adept, uh, you know, is really that old standby of the Force healer. Now, in my opinion, with the later material that was released, it is actually now not as good as the Jedi Knight in terms of Force healing. The Force Adept still offers some excellent talent options, okay, and access to the same boss Force techniques that the Jedi Knight gets. Without that whole pesky, must be a part of the Jedi Order requirement, <laughs> which is kind of a deal killer for a, a soldier that's, uh, you know, Force sensitive and not necessarily wanting to be a Jedi. That's right, Jedi. Jedi. <clears throat> Indeed. So, you know, as far as the other base classes that we didn't talk about, you know, they can all work, but. Again, the two Jedi and Soldier are the best for the reasons we've mentioned. Um, as far as other prestige classes, there's really not a lot of other options. There really isn't. Not for Force use. So let's dig into w- the meat of the classes, I guess, Dave, and talk about talents. Let- uh, let's-, let's get to the really good stuff here. The good stuff, indeed. Now, honestly, compared to the vast multitude of talents available to other builds, this list is is actually pretty slim but what is there is pure gold and it's enough to take a character all the way through to the mid to high levels okay now we're going to talk about the various talents in terms of where they're found in the rules just for for ease of of uh talking about (laughs) and consistency um Dave, what, let's let's talk about. I guess let's start with uh, let's start with the Jedi Consular talent tree. Ah, yes, uh, we teased you earlier. Did before, yeah. You know the uh, Consular's vitality and improved Consular's vitality. Indeed. Turn to page twenty-two of your Clone Wars campaign guide, and uh, these talents basically let you grant bonus hit points equal to five plus your charisma modifier. To any ally within 12 squares and a line of sight. It only lasts for a single round, but you can kick them off every round as a swift action. Not bad. And um, if it, uh, a free action later if you're in combat hacking away with your saber. That's improved, yep. How about yep. that? Totally, action totally. Right there. Uh, also, the Cleanse Mind talent. That's uh, Force Unleashed, page 24. Um, it's a great help. It allows you, again, as a swift action, 
to remove a mind-affecting effect from a single ally within line of sight. No check. You just do it. You just say, ah, oh, the heavens open. Yes. There are so many mind-affecting effects. I mean, not just from the force and force powers, which are obviously some biggies, but you've got noble and officer talents that impose conditions on people that are mind-affecting effects. Um, they're, it can be pretty nasty. Just the ability to free them from that. That's a huge part of your role in terms of healing more than just hit points. Yep. That storm, uh, complete, I could hear the thunder, and it died before it got here. Nice. Didn't even rain. Nice. That's just weird. We were worried, podcast listeners, because there's a huge storm heading over Dave's house. And there's another one behind it, though. Oh, dear. We'll see what happens. All right, sorry. I digress. So, okay, Jedi Counselor talent tree. There's some cool stuff there. Next, let's talk about soldier talents. This might be really pertinent to Adam. Ah, yes, Um, his soldier. His soldier. Look, all of these talents pretty much entirely focus on self-protection and preservation, and they should be taken as needed. Okay, again, that keeping yourself alive. The entire armor specialist talent tree, page 51 of the core rulebook. If you're stuck not knowing what talents to take and you happen to be a soldier, take some armor specialist talents. Get that reflex defense and fortitude bumped up with some boss armor. No reason not to do it. You know, a medic wearing heavy armor is just cool. Um, as mentioned previously, Indomitable, Tough as Nails, page 52 and 53 of the core rulebook, wonderful self-preservation talents. And then there's this weird talent that I really encourage you to take. It's called Man Down, page 18, Scum and Villainy. It's perfect talent for a healer of any stripe, not just a force healer. And what it lets you do is it lets you move your speed towards an ally within six squares when they're reduced to zero hit points. And you do this as a reaction that does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Dude, that's awesome. Yes. At least until you get into certain force techniques, vital transfer is a touch power. I mean, you've got to touch them. And if you're not next to them, that can be an issue. So getting to them quickly, this is a wonderful talent for that. I absolutely love it. So, okay, Jedi Counselor talent tree, wonderful. Soldier talents, wonderful. Every Force user has access to, of course, the Force talents, the altar, control, sense, and all those. And within those, there's some that can apply to the Force healer build, but they can do some important stuff. Um, Dave, what are, we, what are we talking about specifically? Um, I don't know. Equilibrium? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Damage reduction, DR10. Uh-huh. Yeah. Page 101 of the core rulebook. Notable ways to keep yourself very healthy and in the fight. Oh, yes. Well, maybe not very healthy, but just healthier. DR10, healthy. dude, is, is, is awesome. It is. And it is. Um, what becomes nearly essential at higher levels, you'll find in the Jedi Academy training manual. On page 16, you will find uh, Force Harmony. Mm. And it uh, lets you activate a Force Point dependent talent without using a Force Point. <laughs> again we said this before and we'll come back to it again this build is about hoarding force points there's a very important reason for that which we'll come to uh, so if you've got some cool force point dependent talents and you can activate them without spending a force point this is a good thing tis tis absolutely I mean, we, I mean, we can talk about some Jedi Knigget talents if you want oh, I like the Jedi Knigget um, there's some good stuff here. Okay, so thanks to the Clone Wars campaign guide, we we got some real moxie here. All right, this Thank one's you, got Moxie. moxie. <laughs> yeah. 
All of it is found in the Jedi Healer talent tree for the Jedi Knight Prestige class, page 41 of the Clone Wars campaign guide. Some really cool talents here, four of them. Force Treatment. All right, it's a basic talent, lets you substitute your use the force check for trade injury checks. Bottom line, very easy. Now, at its core, this means you can now use the force to do first aid, treat disease, treat poison, treat radiation, even perform surgery. But you still need the appropriate equipment to do all this. you got to have a med pack. you got to have a medical kit or a surgery kit or, or whatever the check's going to require. That's you know not a huge restriction, but it does restrict you somewhat. That's right. Like, but, you know, but, you but. know, now you can fix the acid damage by using the horse. By fusing the horse, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so all those things that are difficult for a force healer to do, this will let you do. Okay, and that's, 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 that's why it's worth noting. Healing boost and improved healing boost allow you to make better use of the vital transfer force power, simply increasing the amount of healing granted when you use it. All right, very important stuff. And lastly, soothe, which is an odd talent, which lets you use vital transfer to move the target up the condition track instead of healing their hit points. Kind of cool. Unfortunately, as is with the case with vital transfer, you got to give to get. So when you move them up, you move down. <laughs> Which is why other talents like Equilibrium or Indomitable can come in great use. Ah, uh, yes. So there you go. So, okay, <clears throat> that's Jedi Knight talents. Obviously, we also said Force Adept. Talk to me about, about the Force Adept talents. Ah, uh, yes. Until the can- uh, Clone Wars campaign guide came out, this really was the only option for a, a Force healer. And in one respect, it still remains the best option. Yeah, uh, the force treatment talent is also available uh, for the force adept, which is uh, page two fourteen of the core rulebook. But it's slightly different from the Jedi Knight version. You still replace your treat injury check with use the force. However, you don't need to bother with the uh, gear. No med packs, no medical kits. You can still do first aid, treat disease, poison, radiation, all that, with nothing but the power of the force. Very nice, dude. That alone makes it. Uh, worthwhile to single level dip into the Force Adept. Totally. If if I was making, you know, if I was if I, if I was a Jedi and I was making a Force Healer build and I wanted to go Jedi Knight, I would still level dip into Force Adept just to get this talent because it's so much better than the Jedi Knight version. That's right. So. Yep. Uh, then there is the uh, the Mystic Mastery talent, Jedi Academy Training Manual, page eighteen. Um. Another one that bears some close inspection because it uh, gives you more of those force points. Those lovely force points. Yes, you must have them. Must have them. And, uh, you know, uh, speaking of uh, force points and uh, increasing survivability, there is a fortified body and uh, the force talisman talents that are uh, core rule at page 214. Um in, uh, again, increasing your for, your uh, survivability and for fortified bodies worth noting uh, because it will uh, prevent the uh, the force healer from uh, ever getting uh, radiation sickness or catching yeah. disease from his patients. Very nice. Yeah, so pretty cool stuff. Very cool. Then so, there are the force powers. Oh, the force powers! The force powers! The force powers! Now we're talking. Uh, this is really where the bulk of your benefit is to be found. You're going to want to load up on some very specific force powers that heal, 
and defend. Um, the first, of course, is the ubiquitous, as we've said, vital transfer, page 100 of the core rule book. This is your staple. You're going to want to take lots of it. The problem, and we've been leading up to this, is that, of course, when you take vital transfer, when you use it, you suffer half the damage that you heal. If you heal 20 hit points, you take 10 in damage yourself. That is a problem, okay? This is why it's so important, as we said, to have a healthy hit point total. But remember, in the special description of the vital transfer force power, you can always spend a force point when activating this power to take no damage to yourself. This, my friends, is why your force points are so precious to you. And feats and talents like Force Boon and Mystic Mastery are so highly recommended. Ideally, you want to have a force point pool so healthy that nearly every time you activate Vital Transfer, at least when you're, you know, maybe down down in your hit points, you can always spend a force point to keep from taking damage yourself. That is essential. Indeed. So, okay, aside from Vital Transfer... What other force powers are really great for this build? I don't know. Enlighten. Mm. Love this force power. Legacy or Campaign Guy, page 54. Uh, widely regarded as one of the most powerful force powers in the game. At least from a support perspective. Yes. Uh, the greatest party protection option any force user can really bring to the game. So remember, of course, that the best... Healing is preventing the target from getting hit in the first place. So, what does it do for you? It does, uh, as a swift or a reaction, you can replace, among other things, a target's defense score with your use the force check against a single attack. Dude. Yeah. So, at low to mid levels, this is unbelievably huge. Considering that a well-built, uh, well-built um, a force healer can probably hit high twenties to low thirties on that force check pretty early on. Yeah. <laughs> What's your reflex defense? Seventeen. Reaction. Nope. It's twenty-nine. <laughs> yeah. Enlighten is huge. This is like one of my favorite force powers in the game. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So load up on that big bad boy right there. I think you can conceivably make a highly effective and totally versatile force healer with nothing in your power suite but vital transfers and a few enlightens. You can totally do that and you would be a boon to any party. They would be glad to have you. But there's a bunch of other great defensive force powers that can protect you or your allies from various attacks. You know, honestly, Valor, Inspire, Force Shield, there's many others. As the game progresses and you take more force trainings, take a look at the threats your GM is consistently throwing at you. Take a look at the situations your party is continually going up against. Do they need a boost to will frequently? Are you getting hit a lot? Do you need force shield? Take those things into account. The the random one-off power here or there for a defensive purpose can really help. But ultimately, dude, vital transfer, enlighten, it's totally where it's at. You can't go wrong with a suite of those. Totally. Totally. All right. And then, finally, we have the fun. We have the fun. The force techniques and force secrets. Oh, uh, yes. yes. This is where your prestige classes come into play because it is extremely important to get the force adept or Jedi Knight as quickly as you possibly can for this healer build. Not so much for the talents, but for the techniques. 
word force techniques please force share please share sir dude there's a handful that that you really should be taking um first and foremost improved vital transfer page 54 of the kotor campaign guide this should probably be one of your first choices if not your first choice when you get that second level in your prestige class what does it do it lets you use vital transfer at a range of six squares from the target instead of having to touch them oh Nice. See? Perfect. Very nice. You yeah. combine this with man down, you can be 12 squares away from the guy and get to him in six and then use that. That's awesome. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. What other, what other techniques can be uh, useful to this particular build? Well, there is the cure disease and detoxify poison techniques. Oh. Uh, first one is Jedi Academy. Second one is Legacy Era. Uh, let's you expand vital transfer. Um, did I say expand? I meant expend. Send. You're going to spend a vital transfer to remove poison and disease in place of healing hit points. Very, very nice. Yeah. So it's kind of another way, you know, if you don't, if you don't have, you know, the, the force treatment talent from either side to, to use vital transfer to, to get the job done. Yeah. Um, very cool. And, and lastly, the big one you really want to take a look at is force point recovery. Okay, page 102 of the core rule book. This would probably be my first or second choice. It's tried and true. Why? Because it lets you recover a spent force point. <laughs> yeah. Which, as we've discussed, very useful to the force healer. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Now, a minor note on force secrets. I don't want to delve into them too much because their uses are plaintively obvious and we've covered them in other casts. You know, force secrets available to the high-level prestige classes of Jedi Masters and Force Disciples... They can help you in various ways. They can let you target multiple allies with a force power or extend the power's range to great lengths. But usually, you got to spend the destiny point to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's rough, but sometimes necessary. But okay, you, it would certainly be the ultimate sacrifice on the part of a healer. But you know, your goal is to do what you do as often as possible with as little personal expenditure as possible. And that's the key. Yep. So that kind of wraps this discussion up and brings it to a close. We've taken a look at some primary skill choices and avenues that you need to focus on, some feats, some talents, class choices, prestige class choices. Kind of rolled that up into a giant big force healing burrito, (laughs) (laughs) which you can peck at at your leisure. That's right. Um, There's some really, really cool options here. Um, You know, it's not the most robust build because, again, there's not a whole lot of options. But what's there is really nifty. And if you want to make a dedicated force healer, there's some wonderful ways to do so. So, Adam, I hope that that answered your question and gave you a little bit to chew on. And uh, I'm very pleased that this was our our return to the Ultimate Build segment. There will be... There will be more. Ah, yes, here we go. There will be more. Thank you very much uh, uh, again, Adam Scott. Dude, it's your show, man. Where would you like to go next? But I'm thinking that we're going um, here. Oh, sad panda music. As we begin to wrap up the healing hand of the horse feeler. <laughs> Oh, man. Gamer Nation, thank you again uh, for your suggestions and your wonderful questions. I was tickled that we got so many voicemails. Keep them coming, please. Call the Lusa line, area code 206-600-5872-LUSA. Lusa! 
Um, and of course, email us gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. Head to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums and get your voice heard. Oh, shizzle. It's a good thing. It is a good thing, man. So you may chew on this giant force healing burrito at your leisure at uh, d20radio.com. And, uh, of course, subscribe. You know what? We are running a little bit short on iTunes reviews. That's true. We don't ask for them very often. No, we don't. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice that we have like 70 or something out there. But, um, and I want to say, I went back and I looked, and one guy was going to give us a four star because of our signal to noise ratio, you know? And yes, I'll agree that I haven't been filtering the signal, the, the noise. But, you know, hey, that is what it is. <laughs> I'm not going to whine about a four star review. Well, but he said. He apparently he went back and looked and saw that we had never gotten. He said we've gotten all fives and we are rated all fives on the uh, on iTunes, which is really cool. I didn't notice that. So yeah, keep our star, keep our sterling five star rating going, guys. We uh, we really appreciate that. Word, word. Yeah. Yeah. Remember to get to the forums and post your t shirt designs if you want to participate in the Gen Con D twenty Radio t shirt contest. And That's keep nice. your eyes and ears glued to the forums and Twitter. You can follow me at GM Chris. I am a GM Dave. For updates on future shows and episodes. Bye, golly. And with that, this is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And I'm going to say keep them dice rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related websites, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Post show? No, sorry. <laughs>